0: All right, ladies, welcome. So we're continuing our study of uh, the Tehillim. It's an important study, and we're not rushing it at all. Uh, we're lucky if we could take one chapter a week and study it correctly. Uh, it's a big accomplishment. It's, uh, it's going to take a long time to finish the book, okay, we're good. but <laughs> there's no rush. So we're up to chapter Pigimal. that's 83. And I told you uh, this is also part of the uh, Asaf collection. Some say Asaf was the son of Korah, some say Asaph was a, uh, a famous Levi that served in the temple and sang these songs that he actually uh, composed. We'll actually see that there's a reason why Asaf wrote this uh, specific chapter. Uh, It's called Shir Mizmor, it's the song uh, for Asaf. Now this is a chapter you should know that is traditionally said during times of crisis, world crisis, uh, times of war, when the world is in uh, in, uh, disarray and chaos. So usually Pegimal is said, especially when they're coming against the Jewish people. I was not aware of this until 1991, when I was studying in the Lakewood Yeshiva, and the Persian Gulf War broke out, and Saddam Hussein was uh, hurling scuds across the border into Israel. These were humongous uh, uh, projectiles that were coming into the land, and some said he had poisonous gas even on them, who knows what he was doing. I mean, he wasn't known for his good aim, thank God, and although he hurled 39 scuds, none of them really hit into populated areas. But when they shot the first scud, I remember in Lakewood Yeshiva, I was studying at the time, it was the middle of the afternoon for us, towards the end of night, say it actually, about seven o'clock, and some guy banged on the teva and started to scream on top of his lungs this chapter of Tehillim, Pegima. At the time, I didn't know why I picked Piggy. I thought Pegima is Roshet, they bought Persian Gulf. That's why I thought they picked it. But it turns out that that was just a coincidence. The reason why I chose the chapter is because it talks about the goyim that are trying to annihilate the Jewish people and want to erase uh, and exterminate uh, the God of the Jewish people with the Jewish people, and therefore it's a very, very appropriate. Now, there's a big machloket amongst the scholars when this chapter was was written, what was it referring to, a specific event? A lot of these chapters in Tehilim, you have to know, are following events that happened that are chronicled in Tanakh. So it's very, very important to to draw a line from every chapter in Tehilim to know exactly where in Tanakh is the episode that this is a reaction to. Somebody's praying for something that happened in history. So you have to know what was the event uh, that this... uh, uh, chapter was uh, the catalyst uh, what was the catalyst that caused this chapter to be penned so the majority of opinions as the opinion of the Malbim <clears throat> as well is this is happening in the times of the king Yehoshaphat Yehoshaphat uh, is being surrounded by many enemies Is the king of Judah Israel's being surrounded by enemies from all sides and the king, Yehoshaphat, who was a very good king, we learned previously in another chapter that he sought justice amongst the land, he set up a court system, and now he's going to take the Jewish people out to war, and a miracle will happen that he didn't even have to fight. It says that his army just started to sing the praises of Hashem, and as he was singing the praises of Hashem, the enemies uh, miraculously just perished. And one of the descendants of Asaph, was actually on the, uh, in the war with Yoshafat, So therefore Asaf, who is was an uh, ancestor of the future event, would pray for the success of Yoshafat and for the su- success of his uh, ancestor that would be at the time of the war. I'm reading the Malbim. I know you don't have it in your books, but I'm reading the Malbim's language here. Nosad gam ken bimeh Yoshafat shebau alav b'ne Moab u'bne Amon. When the nations of Amon and Mu'av came against the Jewish people, Amil Hama, the Imam Hamon Rav. And there was a, a multitude of nations that also joined the effort to annihilate the Jewish people. This is not an isolated story, by the way. Uh, go look at the history of 1948, when the same thing happened again, where all the enemies came around, and then go go to 1967. It's an old story, history repeats itself, but this is the first time it happened. The Yoshafat it palil. Yoshafat prayed. And he called the first day. Now, there was a fellow called Yahaziel, he was from the children of Asaph. So, therefore, that's the connection between the event and the author. And he had a prophecy, and he told the king, Do not be afraid. You're not going to fight this war. The war belongs to God. It's an amazing thing. He was basically telling the Jewish army, uh, stand down. You don't need to fight. How are they going to win? Just stand and witness the salvation of God. And over there, it's told in uh, the book of Chronicles, Devray Yamim, chapter 20, Pisukim uh, 14 to 17. It turned into mayhem. Uh, the the, the Nabi starts to tell us that uh, the people got confused, the enemies, and they started to attack each other. And now a civil war broke out, and the Jewish people were just watching the enemies killing themselves. They'd have to shoot one bullet. And all of a sudden, everybody's killing themselves. Everybody turned on each other. And before you knew it, the whole uh, uh, war was over. And B'nai Yisrael just stood as eyewitnesses to one of the most miraculous events. Uh, in history. And the, the, the Malbim writes, al Yidah mehuma, mehuma is the chaos, she'etil Hashem benihim. Now, even though I just told you that this chapter is written on a specific event, an event that didn't happen from at the time that the chapter was written, it's a futuristic event, but we don't limit it to one event in history. If it makes the book of Tehillim, this chapter then becomes the prototype that any time the Jewish people will find themselves in danger from, a, from a, an enemy that's trying to annihilate them, this is the chapter that we read. So it's probably a good chapter to add to your repertoire of Teilim, ladies, that you say every single day. I know Gimal is not uh, the most famous one on the list. You know, you say chapter 20, and you say chapter 130, 130 and those those shira ma'alots. But Pegimal with the rise of anti-Semitism and those that are trying to annihilate the Jewish people, whether it's abroad... Or in Israel, this chapter still is uh, quite relevant and uh, appropriate. So we begin the chapter. Elohim. Of course, that's God. Al-domilach. <speaking in Hebrew> what does that mean? Al-domilach, Rashi. Al-titen l'anu. God, don't remain silent. When you see the enemies plotting against us and trying to annihilate us, God Almighty, Al Domi. Don't be dumb. Remember when Aaron was yeah, quiet? That, Aaron. By that means uh, he was silent. He was uh, um, uh, without reaction. So the the author is telling God, Al Domi, don't be silent. Al-techerash, don't be quiet, the El these are all different forms of um remaining uh, inactive uh, at the time that the jewish people are being persecuted hine behold Oyevecha yehemayun. your enemies are making loud uh, sounds loud noises of war um <inaudible> san and your enemies nasu they are um uh, uh, trying to rise up against you. Now look at this person. Pay attention, ladies. Oyevecha the, the, the author is concerned about our enemies and it refers to our enemies in two different languages. Oyevecha and sonecha. What's the difference? Who's the Oyev and who's the Sone? These are two distinct enemies. And what I'm telling you now is based on a rabbi called Rabbeinu Bachya. Rabbeinu Bachya writes that the Oyev... Is it the enemy within The enemy within? No, no, not real physical enemies. That no, they want to kill us physically? Yes, the enemies <laughs> that want to kill us physically, there's two. There's an Oyev and a Soneh. They're two different nations. One is worse than the other. The Soneh is Esav, as the saying goes, Esav, Soneh, Yaakov. A Soneh is an, uh, an anti-Semite, but he's not as brutal and not as uh, dangerous as the Oyev, if you could imagine. I mean, Esav is, I mean, he doesn't have such a good record, but could you believe it? Somebody can be worse than the oyev, and the Soneh, and who's that? The Oyev. And the reason why they call the Oyev an Oyev, because the first words of Oyev is oy. Because when you come in contact with the Oyev, the first thing you say is oy, which is universal language for oy. Oy means oy. And no, no, no interpretation needed. And who's the Oyev? Yishmael. Yishmael. <clears throat> and if you look at Harambam in his letters, he talks about how Yishmael is even worse than uh, an enemy of of, of of Esav. And I'll explain it to you in a moment. But based on this, the prophet over here is praying, I'm worried about Oyevecha and I'm worried about Sonecha. Now I'd like to explain this in a beautiful commentary on Migilat Esther. I know it's not Megilat time, but nonetheless, Purim's right around the corner. So you might as well uh, appreciate this, Hindush. You remember when um, Queen Esther invited Hashverosh and Haman to the party, and if you remember also, Hashverosh is told by Queen Esther, "There's a guy that wants to destroy us." And the Hashmied, the Harog, with uh, Abed, and Hashverosh is surprised. <clears throat> so he says, "Mi huzeh? Mi huzeh Who is this guy?" So the pasuk says, Ish sar ve'oyev. Haman hara hazeh. So it says, this guy, Haman, the oyev. The oyev. Ish sar ve'oyev. Haman hara haze. Hold it, ladies. Haman is from where? Haman is from Amalek. Amalek is the grandson of Esav. So obviously Queen Esther didn't know this Rabbeinu Bachya because she used the wrong word. She calls Haman the Oyev. He's actually the Soner. So what are we going to do now with Megillah Tisner? And don't tell me it's a typo. Obviously she was a prophetess. She knew exactly what she was saying. But open up the Gemara in Megillah and the Gemara says a Bichadush. whenever you see the text, use the word hazer. Haze means you're pointing. Like I say, ze. So it says, Queen Esther, not only did she say, She was actually pointing. But the Gemara says that she was actually pointing initially to a hajverosh. Because she knew, she was an honest lady. She knew that Ahasverosh was behind it. He's the one that paid the 10,000 talents in order to allow Aman to do his... So she was such a Sadegah. She, she can't lie. Even, that's why she had such Siyat So actually the Gemara says, she was saying, Isar VeOyev, and then the angel came and moved the hand oh to Haman. So the question is, how did the Gemara know that? It doesn't say anywhere that she was pointing to Ahasverosh, and then she moved... But the fact that she used the word Oyev, and where was the hashverosh? Hashverosh was Parasumadai. And Parasumadai is Yishma'el. And therefore, that's how the Gemara knew, from the fact that it said, it used the word Oyev. From there, the Gemara understood. It must be she was really pointing to the Oyev initially, which is hashverosh, And then the Malach came and moved it to the Soneh. So this chapter over here, is very significant, especially in our times, where we're now dealing with these two enemies. And I'll explain to you what I mean. <clears throat> there is a tradition that is said from Rav Haim Vital, the great Kabbalist, the student of the Arizal, that there are four exiles. The final exile, of course, is Galut Edom, Galut Esav. We're in that exile today. That's the Romans that destroyed the second temple. And from that, it's North America, Europe, all these nations over here are under the uh, flag of Esav, Edom, Romi. It's the final exile. But if Chaim Vital said he has a tradition, from his rabbi. At the end of time, there's going to be a merge between... Esav and Ishmael. And therefore, Ishmael, the Arabs, are going to enter this final phase, and there's going to be a certain uh, coalition or a certain connection between Esav and Yishmael. And when you start to see Ishmael enter the picture, then already you know that we're at, the, we're at the end of time. Now, where is this hinted to? They asked the Gaon Mivilna. Where is this hinted to? <coughs> Now I'm saying something different than I just said a few minutes ago because it's a deeper class. I just gave a class somewhere else, beautiful. I, I think so, but it was, n- now it was. It was. Yes. So, but now I'm going to say something else. So don't say, "Oh, but you said something different ago, two seconds ago." Well, not, this is a different movie. <coughs> so now, if you remember, we read in last week's Shah when Yaakov Abinu was told by his father, "Go get married, go take a girl from Padan Aram." None of these Kanani girls. I don't like these Kanani girls. So Yisab said, whoa, I'm married to a Kanani girl. My father is not happy with this. Obviously, of a he became a big sadiq, Yisab. Uh, so what does he do? He says, I have to go get married. And who does he go get married to? He goes to Ishmael and he takes the daughter of Ishmael, which is called Mahalat. Now, this was not a marriage for love. This was what we call... A sinister merger. This is Esav creating an alliance and a bond by him going to Ishmael. He's saying, I see that I alone cannot fight this man, Yaakov. He's too strong for me. He beat me. He got the blessings and therefore he succeeded. So therefore, I need to get a double barrel. So the marriage of Tish was not like, Oh, beautiful wedding, and who's the Chata, and who's the Kala, what, 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 what's the, where, where they're going on the honeymoon. It's not one of those. This over here is like a, 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 a two a, 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 a families of the mob that are now making a, 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 a pact together in order to now fight Yaakov Abinu. So this was a strategic marriage. This was not a marriage of uh, a love or convenience. It was a marriage of strategy, a a war strategy, that Esab goes to Ishmael. Now, watch. Watch what I'm going to tell you. (coughs) We're going to read the chapter. Don't worry. I know it's a Tehillim place, but this is the depth of the Tehillim. I'm reading the words, Oyevecha Sonecha, especially when they become united. In this parasha we just read, the combination of the Oyev and the Soneh. When the Oyev and the Soneh come together, we're in trouble. The Zohar Kadosh writes, each nation is represented by an animal. Esab is represented by the shore, by the ox. Ishmael is represented by the Hamor. Well, for the obvious reason, but <laughs> if, you, if you if you remember, if you remember when, when Abraham was doing the Akedat Yitzhak, mm-hmm. and he tells Ishmael, Hamur, go stay over here with the Hamur." He tells Yishmael, he says, because you're like a Hamor yourself. All the Hamorim stay back. That's the symbolism, and there's probably good reason why each one is compared to a Shor and a Hamor. So this is the marriage of the Shor and the Hamor. With this, we understand something something very, very, uh, very deep. The Torah says, Lo taharosh Shor v'hamor yadav that you're not allowed to uh, take an ox and a donkey and put them on the same uh, reins and plow the field together with them. You could take two oxes, you could take two donkeys, but you can't mix an ox and a donkey together. Isn't that, isn't that strange? What's the difference? I'm not eating it. Uh, they're both work animals. Put them together. Many reasons have been given according to the simple interpretation. Because uh, the, the, one, one interpretation they say is, is that the ox chews its cud. I hope I don't own your lunch. But it says that after the ox eats, so it regurgitates its food from its stomach and goes back to its mouth and chews it a second time. The hamor does not do that. Once it swallows, it's done. So they're worried that if the short and the hamor are going to be together, and they're both working their heads off, and they're not eating, but all of a sudden the hamor is going to look at the short and seeing that the short is chewing. And because the hamor is a hamor, you can't explain to him why he's chewing his cud that he ate two hours ago. He's a hamor. Go explain it to him. So he's going to say, hey, it's not fair. How come he gets to eat and I don't get to eat? So therefore it's going to cause the hamor pain. When he sees or he thinks that the short is eating and he's getting deprived, so it's not fair, and therefore you know he'll have the uh, uh, he'll have all the uh, uh, all the uh, the Hamor uh, defendants on his side. It's not fair, you know. Uh, Hamor lives matter also, and therefore they said, you know what? So you don't offend the Hamor. So you don't offend the Hamor. Equal rights, affirmative action for the Hamorim. So therefore. Don't mix them together. But the Kabbalists have a different approach. They say no. Because when you put a shor and a hamor together, you are strengthening the axis of evil. You are strengthening the axis between Yishmael and Ishaf. Because he's the shor and he's the chamor. And even making a symbolic juncture between those two animals has an effect. So keep them separate. With this, you understand something. So now Ya'akov Abinu goes to work for his father-in-law for 22 years, whatever it was. And all of a sudden, he sends a message to Esav. Because now they're going to confront each other. So he says, mm-hmm. He sends messages to his brother. Go tell my brother. I lived with Laban for twenty for seventy years and tell that man I have a short and a amor What kind of talk is this? Go tell him I have a, I have, a I have a donkey, and I have a ox. What are you talking? If I was Esau, what does that? What he's saying, and tell him I have a, a, a gerbil and I have goldfish and I have a, 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 a poodle. You're going to fight against this this, this guy? Isav. Does he care if you have a Shodan Amor? What is it over here? The, the Bronx Zoo? It's not, it's not over here. He, he's showing off that he has a Shodan Amor? So what? I see you a Shodan Amor and I raise you. I have a, I have an elephant and I have a, a zebra. What are you talking about? The Meccabalists say that when Yosef was born, Yosef is called the Shore of Kedushah. Like it says, Bechor, Shoro, Hadar, Lo. He referred to him as the Shor. And when Yisachar was born, it says Yisachar is the tribe. Yisachar Hamor got in. So now his tribes were born. He says, you think you went to marry Ishmael and therefore you made the alliance between the Shor and Hamor? I also have Shor and Hamor. I have the Shor of Kedushah and the Hamor of Kedushah. I'm ready for the fight. Let's go. That's what he was answering. That's an answer to the marriage. That's his, uh, you know, his uh, response to the marriage. Yeah, we will gladly attend. I also have a short and hamor. So uh, good luck to you. Therefore, he was already uh, saying that you're neutralized. So far, so good. Mm -hmm. This is exactly what the Oyev and the Sun is. Now let me explain to you a little deeper what this alliance means. It doesn't mean that they're going to just have an alliance that they're going to come together. It doesn't mean that. They're going to just come together. Because I don't think you see that in our day today either. Although there's some alliances between the western countries and the eastern countries. Uh, maybe America now is, 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 is friendly with Saudi Arabia and the different uh, Arab countries. Maybe you see that, but it doesn't mean that. It's deeper. When we talk about Esav... And Yishmael, their countries <clears throat> represent certain lifestyles, certain ways that they behave. Esab is known for their industrialization of the world. Isab is known for their cities, for their buildings. The Gemara even says that when Mashiach comes Esav is going to come to God and say look we built all these bridges we built all these uh, you know very very big uh, uh, skyscrapers and they're going to want credit for it because the Jews are benefiting from it the the, the, the nation of Esav is very um, uh, technologically advanced very organized but however the holy books say they do possess a certain amount of civility. Thank God. Because if they didn't have civility, all this industrialization and all this uh, technology could be used to destroy the world. So the civility of the sonne keeps all of this <laughs> at, at bayf, temporarily. Now go to Ishmael. Is that That's the sonne. That's Esav. It's yes. Ishmael, on the other hand, is unbridled. The Torah calls Ishmael Pid Adam. Pira Adam means uh, wild. wild man. I know you don't care about grammar so much, but I have to tell you about grammar for a minute. There's a rabbi called Maril Diskin. We learned that Magan David, in seventh grade, Rabbi B'Tonalavashalom, he told us a rule in grammar that you always put the noun and then the adjective. If I want to say he's a good boy, I say Yeled, which is the noun. Tov is the adjective. I don't say Tov Yeled. Yeled Tov. And therefore, when you're referring to Ishmael as a wild, unbridled man, you should say Adam, Pere. He's an Adam. What type of Adam is he? (laughs) Pere, wild Adam. Says Mario Diska, no. In this case, Pere is the noun, that's his essence, he's a pere, and what type of pere is he? An Adam, a human pere, the Adam is an adjective to explain the pere, that in essence he's a pere, which is an amazing thing, and Hafez Chaim said, even if he has a doctorate, and even if he has an MD, and even went to college, he's still a pere, that's not going to change. So that's very dangerous because somebody that's pere, they're not so good at building. That's why they live in Bedouins and tents and the wilderness. They're not so advanced in any of this stuff, but they're just wild, like animals, living in the fields and the deserts and the, the, the open lands and things like that. But thank God that they don't have the ability to industrialize because add industrialization to the pere and then. Exactly. What the holy books say is that what's going to happen at the end of time, you're going to start to see Yishma'el the Pere industrialize itself. Right. You're going to start to see Arab countries become the most advanced countries. Now everybody's talking, oh, Dubai, look at this. You go over there, they have biggest hotels and the biggest things over there. And this is a concern. Because these are people that lived in the tents. These are people that lived in, in, in the wilderness, the Bedouins. And now all of a sudden, that's what it means when you see there's going to be a merger between Ismail and Esab. Not a merger, meaning the, the strengths of Esab are going to be found by Ishmael. Where normally by Ishmael you went to third world countries. Now you go to Ishmael's countries, Qatar, they just had the, what do you call it, the, the soccer, World Cup. World Cup. Uh, uh, FIFA, all this, all this very good stuff. It's all over there. Who, who would believe an Arab country can have uh, uh, such, a, such a world presence? Yeah. Now you start to see them. They're like European countries all of a sudden. Sakanat mm-hmm. nefashot. Because take the pair there and take the oyev. But the oyev was always limited because he doesn't have any ikot. What is he doing? He's got sand. We can throw sand in your face, smoke bomb. But now, when the Oyev has the technology of the Soneh. Isn't Iran with the nuclear that you, you could take this principle and apply it all over the place. But that's the depth of what it means. It doesn't mean just they're going to merge. The, 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 the strength of the Soneh is going to be found by the Oyev. And that you're seeing that uh, today. Uh, as, as an example, you saw it in Germany. Germany is the Oyev, I take it back, Germany is the Sonne. they're the grandchildren of Esav. But there's a famous picture in Auschwitz of Yemach Adolf Hitler, the Sonne with the Mufti, the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem. The Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, Google it, Hitler and the Grand Mufti, you see a picture of Yamashimo with his uh, cap on, the Mufti and his black robe, he came all the way from Jerusalem and you see them salivating at Auschwitz. So happy that exterminating. This was an alliance over here between Yishmael, the Oyeb and the Sonne. And look at the look at the havoc they had. They were they were so happy. The the the, the grandmother was a religious man, but okay, what, what a religious means exactly? But uh, 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 enjoying and and, and and celebrating the death of millions of Jews. So this is the concern that the chapter has over here. Now I must say. One more point before I start reading quickly. They're going to become Rosh. Rosh means they're going to become power, power world leaders, Rosh, heads of state. What does that mean? There's a famous talk from Rav Chaim Balazhan. Rav Chaim said, on the gemaran Gittin, gemaran Gittin says, Whoever torments the Jewish people will become ahead. That sounds like a bad thing. Why would God make these people ahead head if they hate us? Said Rav Chaim, thing. He said, because there's a saying in the, by King Solomon, Lev melachim v'sarim biyada Hashem. God controls the heads of state. Heads of state lose their free will. They don't have free will anymore. Lev melachim v'sarim Hashem. Everybody has free will to do what they want. Once you become a rosh, God guides them, and therefore says Rav Chaim Kolam Li Yisrael becomes a Rosh, because if they would not become a Rosh, they're unbridled, they can do whatever they want, they have free will. So by becoming a Rosh, wow. that, that, that has a reins on them. It's, it's, it's in order to restrain them. Understand? It's, it's, it's a blessing for the Jewish people. I mean, could you imagine... Hold on to your seats, because it's not going to sound so good, but Hitler was a commoner. Nobody ever thought that this man should rise but he's not as dangerous I mean he's in his own way but Hitler Shalom, did something and he became the chancellor so, no, no, nobody's question had this guy become, he wasn't even German he was Austrian, he was a painter, he was in jail had this guy run I know it's hard for you to swallow what I'm going to say with all the damage that he did that was as a Rosh, if he would not be the Rosh, he could do even worse <laughs> once he became the Rosh God was able to hold it at six million. Who knows if he would not have been a Rosh and he had free will to do what he wanted? He could have. Now, we're not exonerating the man. The man, of course, is held for every, every drop of Jewish blood that he spilled. But this is the way we understand that these people rise to power. So that's what the Pasuk says. <speaking in Hebrew> which might not be a bad thing. <speaking in Hebrew> now we're going to go quickly, ladies. Follow inside. Pasuk, Dala. On your nation, Ya'arimu Sod. Yarimu means Orma. Orma, they're planning. Uh, orma is trickery, cleverness, subterfuge, uh, Orma strategies. Sod. Sod means they do this quietly. They don't want anybody to know about their plans. Oh. V'yit and they are plotting against what is hidden. Al safun. You know what? Safun is the hidden. They're coming after what's hidden. What does it mean, ladies? They're coming against the Jewish soul that is hidden. Although it looks like they're coming after the bodies, but they know that the secret of Jewish continuity and perpetuation is because we have the book. Uh, This is the famous question. What, what, What separates us from all the other nations of the world? All the nations of the world that came and went? Because they eventually just become diluted in the nations of the world. What keeps us distinct is the the spiritual element, which is the soul of the Jewish people, which is eternal. You can destroy bodies, but you cannot destroy the soul. The soul is forever. But the goyim try to go after the sefunecha, what is hidden. And that's why I remind you, before Hitler built the crematoriums of Auschwitz, they had Kristallnacht, which we had, we had a couple of weeks ago, was the commemoration of Kristallnacht. What did he do that night? He burnt books. Books, since when is books the enemy of the state? Yeah, imagine the president says, we are going to war against the uh, New York Public Library. The library of books. But that's what they did. They went to all the schools around Germany and they burnt the Talmud. Because he understood that's the secret of these people. This, 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 these Aramaic words and these books, and these Jewish words. And then he burnt the synagogues. Once already he went after the soul, then already was easy for him to go after the bodies. And that's what they're saying over here. Amiru. Uh, um, They say, this is the Goyim, Let us obliterate them from them being a Goy. Goy means a distinct nation. Jewish people always claim they have their ghetto, they have their private laws, they have their private minhagim, and we don't want that anymore. Either they become part of us, or or we destroy them. This is, went on throughout history. In Spain, what they did, they had no problem. We don't want you to be a separate nation anymore. Either you become Baptist, baptize yourself like us, like the Christians, or we destroy you. How do I know that that's the right interpretation? Look at the next pasuk. Look at the here. shem od. We don't want the name Yisrael. Yisrael represents the nation of God, Yisrael. El is God. They were going after Yisrael, the religious element. Ki Look at this. They plotted together. This is an amazing fact and a reality. Nations that don't get along, when they have a common enemy, all of a sudden they're able to make peace in order to go after the common enemy. The Jews are the biggest peacemakers in the world. We've been able to make peace between so many nations that couldn't see eye to eye to each other. But when it came to the Jewish people, the Jewish problem, all of a sudden, said, you know what? On this, it's unanimous. Let's make a treaty and go. The Egyptians didn't talk to the Jordanians. Jordan didn't talk to the Syrians, and then the syrians Nobody was talking that region to each other. They was fighting, but they said, "Wait, we all hate Israel, correct? Beautiful. Let's make a peace treaty. Boom. And let's go after them." And that's how it is all over the world. When you go to the United Nations, every nation is fighting with each other, but all say when it comes to Israel. This, we can agree, unanimous vote that you have to uh, condemn. And that's what the Pasuk says here. Uh, 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 ki lev means they had advice to join. Yachdav. Alecha, to you, God, When they sign their treaties and they sign their documents of war, it's a war against God. Alecha, They're going and fighting the Jewish people because we are the nation of God. If you remember when Hitler wrote Mein Kampf, what, what did he say? We have to kill the Jewish people because they introduced a the conscience to the world. That's what bothered Hitler. These people have God into the world, and there's God, there's right and wrong, and there's consciousness, and therefore they were going after the morality that God introduced. Now look what it says in the Pasuk, and look how perfect. Ahole Edom the Ishmaelim. This is the, the contract that we're concerned about Edom and Ishmael. The Oyev. Or the Soneh and the Oyev, and with them comes others also. There's always, uh, whenever you can get two major world powers fighting against the Jewish people, there'll always be company. And who was the company that joins them? Moab. Well, Moav hated us. You know why they hated us? They they took it very personal when we banned them, because the Torah says we're not allowed to accept Mo'avi converts into the nation. So therefore, they felt that that was a, a slight to them. So they joined the bandwagon, but not that they need an excuse. Vehagrim. Anybody here of the nation called the Hagrim? You never heard of the Hagrim? Oh, it sounds like Hagar. So the Mepharshim say these are the children of Hagar. The children of Hagar, it says, it seems that she married somebody else after Avram Abinu. And she had children, and her children were anti-Semites as well, and they called them the Hagrim, the children of Hagar. A couple more. Gebal. Who's Gebal? Gebal, The Geblim. Who's the Giblim? They say that, I think, from, from Jordan or from uh, one of those places. Amon, we know that. Amalek, look at this, how many people. The whole United Nations joins the, to destroy the, 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 us. Oh. Pileshet, Pileshet is the Pileshtim. Im Betzor, what the people of Tzul. Now watch this. Everybody's joining to fight Bnei Israel. You know who else joined? Gam Ashur Nilva Imam. You know who also joined it? Could you believe it? Even, even Ashur. I don't know who Ashur is. Why, why, why does this guy all of a sudden get his own, uh, his own, and guess what? Amalek and Peleshet and Amor and Muhammad. Guess what? Even Ashur. Big deal. Who's Ashur? Not a creep. He joined them. What, what, are, you, what are you making such a big thing? Gam so, Ashur. Oh, because just when you thought Ashur was a good guy, he turned on us. When? So that's why I asked for a homage. Look at this. Unbelievable piece. I'm in Bereshit. This is how you learn Tehilim. Depth. Bereshit chapter, chapter 10. So it's talking about Nimrod. Nimrod took over the world. Nimrod was a bad guy. Nimrod was... Fighting against God, and he made a corrupt world, and he took Abraham Abinu, threw him into the fire. Nimrod's the worst guy. His name, Nimrod, the, the rebel. And he had tremendous clout. Now look at the Pasuk Yud-Alef. Yud Aleph. Yud, Yud Aleph. Perik Yud, Pasuk Yud Aleph. 10-11. Esahi. From that city that Nimrod, that country of Nimrod, Yatsa Ashur. Ashur left. He picked up and he went. Where did he go? she says over here, Mina'anis, <inaudible> Kevan Nimrod. When Ashur saw that his children are listening to Nimrod, and they're rebelling against God to build the tower. Yatzamito. Good guy. Ashur was a good father. Ashu said, living in Bavail is a bad influence on my kids. You know what would be similar? Living in America. And then you got all these crazy laws that are coming out of the woke society. And you have somebody that's living in America and so says, you know what? I can't, I can't raise kids in America anymore. They don't know gender, all the nonsense that they're talking about. And the guy picks up and says, I had enough. I cannot bring up children in this place. I'm moving to... Now, he was a rich guy, Ashur. And in those days, when you moved, you're moving to the wilderness. So you build a new ma'ashe uh, You build your own, you know, square town. You build your own uh, your own town. So where did he move to? Well, he didn't. He moved to he moved to no man's land. Va'yiven. He had to build from scratch. What city did he build? Nineveh. You know, Nineveh. That's where he moved. He built a city of Nineveh, which Nineveh was considered like, uh, you know, uh, Muncie. He built a religious neighborhood of people that are against the broad. So if you came so where do you live? Nineveh. Oh, yeah, black cats in Nineveh. Go over there, Nineveh. That's what he did. He went he built a sheltered community against it's a great guy. He's a great guy. He wasn't Jewish. And the holy books say, that's why when the city of Nineveh was committing sins, God told the prophet Jonah, go give them rebuke. I don't want to destroy this city. Because it was built with good intent. The city of Nineveh was built as a as 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 the uh, antithesis of 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 Nimrod it was built as the as 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 the to, to neutralize what Nimrod was doing so it was built with good intent so god did not want to destroy Nineveh and therefore he said you are not to go save that city of, of Nineveh so Ashur was a great guy i mean and then what happened the anti-semite or the goy is able to hold his anti-semitism to a certain degree, but when push comes to shove eventually the truth will, 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 will emerge, and that's what the Pasuk is saying over here Gam Ashur Imam even Ashur even the Ashur that was against Nimrod that fought for monotheism that fought for the proper values and all of a sudden they turned into one of our and now I'm not saying this, look at Rashi Gam Ashur Af Ashur sheyan nizhar ad ayom mish atsa sagh lo yit like it says minna ad sahiyah ta'ashur she ya tama atsa dur palaga imam he he was he, his, his his goodness had an expiration date continue now the prophet comes along and says entheleem god almighty all these enemies that are coming against us destroy them like who i said let do to them like you did to Midian. Open the prophets. There was a, uh, was a great great leader called Gidon, and Gidon was able to suppress the Midianim. Remember when Siserah was fighting with, in the time of Deborah, and Yael came along and killed Siserah. Kiyaveen al Kishon. Nishmedu Destroy them like the people in Endorah. She doesn't know where that was. Hayu la Adama. There was so much destruction in these stories that we just mentioned. Qoyim was so uh, 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 decimated, they became like domin. Dominas, she says, fertilizer. They became fertilizer to the ground. Destroy them like the two generals. One general was called Orev, one was called Ze'ev. These are all names of generals that were destroyed. Asher Amiru. They said in their time, We are going to conquer the temple of God. Elohai shitemo Kagalgal. Destroy them like a wheel. What do you mean like a wheel? Galgal is a wheel. A wheel is easy to destroy. You just push it, what it happens? It rolls down the mountain. And then we push them like a wheel and let them go, tumbling down. Kakash. Kash means like straw lifneruwa. They should just be blown away. Like a fire burns the forest. All you have to light is one tree, and all of a sudden, the whole uh, the whole forest takes uh, takes a blaze. <speaking in Hebrew> and like the flames cover the mountains. <speaking in Hebrew> let your tempest, God's wind of anger, let them be chased with your wind. <speaking in Hebrew> Another type of uh, a gale wind or a wind of uh, of, of a tornado to <speaking in Hebrew> confuse them. <speaking in Hebrew> Fill them with shame, <speaking in Hebrew> and then they will seek you again let them be shamed and humiliated forever and be destroyed and then at the end everybody will know that ultimately you are the only one God that is supreme you are exalted you are over all the words, so you can understand why we read this chapter whenever we have enemies coming against us. So we use this chapter to remind us that Ulam should suppress the enemies, and God can do it in such an easy way, and to keep that alliance of the oyev and the soner separate. But although it might be happening in our time, so therefore this chapter becomes a very pertinent chapter. La atid and and One question. Oh. In, in, in your Shafat's time, so the Gemara comes along and says, because he had the power of of, of, of Shirah, that's why it says Shid Mizmor, because they sung the praises of Hashem, and when one sings the praises of Hashem, it sweetens the judgments. I'll explain to you very quickly. We call the Mizmorim that we say in the morning prayer Pisuked the Zimrah. Pisuked zimra means the song of Zimrah, of song, the Pesukim of song, but the Zohar Kadosh says Lizmor is to cut like it says in the pasuk by shemita it's a is is to prune when you cut a tree the is the so they call it zimra. these Pisukim prune our enemies that means when you sing the praises of god it's zimra it has the ability to cut down so therefore that was their koa that they had the koa of of shir. that's why she is sing, sing the enemy's praise. And then we can do the same thing today. By singing the chapters of Taylim, it can do the same. No question. So Yaakov said that he had a shor and Yisuf And that was of the Kiddushah side. Yes. So, what during our times these days is the Kiddushah side of it so that we could use that to? So, this is a very good question. What is the modern day uh, shor and hamor? Very good. Well, obviously, Torah is the hamor, because that's Yisachar. And like my Rabbi Hamaruk used to say, Yosef, who says the shor, represents Kiddusha. The Kiddushah. And Alhambra would always tell me, he said, Eliyahu, we have a lot of Torah. But where's the Kiddushah? Wow. Kiddushah refers to the holiness. The holiness. It's not just to learn, but there has to be holiness. There has to be a certain behavior, a certain what we're exposed to, put it that way. So a person can not just say, Why well, I learned Torah nefawat. and for what? And therefore you could be do whatever you want. So Yosef represents the Kiddushah element of it, the tahara. The purity without getting into too much details, but there's a Kitushantana uh, something uh, that you say represent. Okay, okay, ladies. Thank you. Very good. We'll stop over. Here.